You've lived a great life and done well for yourself. But what mark will you leave on the world? How will you inspire future generations? Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand have helped thousands of people answer exactly those questions. If you've ever wondered, what will be my legacy? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Stan and Katie Beth. Okay. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Today, we are joined by Rob Cosberg. Rob is a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author, founder of Bestseller Publishing, and has been featured on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, and hundreds of other publication podcasts and media. Rob, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks, Katie Beth. Good to see you again. Always great to see you. So we want to jump in with a couple of different things today, but I thought a great jumping off point would be you and Stan actually have work history. And so why don't you guys bounce back and forth and tell us just a little bit about the project you guys worked on previously. Love it. Well, I think you have it in your hand somewhere. I saw it just a minute ago, which is cool. I mean, hold that baby up. I know Stan (laughs) is very proud of that. So No, I love you guys. Uh, Love what you're doing. And I would love to hear more. I know I'm not supposed to be the one asking questions, but you started sharing about, you know, how the book is the basis for the new business and stuff that you're doing. I'd, I'd love to hear more about that. And if you like, I can share some other examples of what folks have done, if that's helpful, if that's the direction you want to go. Yeah, I think it'd be great. Stan, why don't you tell us a little bit about what encouraged you to write a book and what that process was like? So, you know, writing a book is an interesting project, and I'd never done it before. And I would say that Rob was very encouraging about this. For me, my struggle as an estate planner was that I'd spent a few decades sitting across the table from clients who wanted more than just who gets my stuff. You know, they want to have a conversation that, go, that went deeper than who do I want to leave my stuff to, right? And sometimes, not all that often, but often enough to be frustrating for me, people would, without my asking, would really open up to me, you know, and we'd have to get out the Kleenex and they were, they'd start talking about their hopes, their fears, their dreams, their aspirations in a way that went way, way, way beyond who gets my house, who gets my car, who gets my stock portfolio, all those things. And the frustrating part for me was that I felt in all those conversations, like I never really had a good set of answers, a good set of solutions. I felt like people were presenting me with challenges and problems for which I did not have an answer. And so my approach to how to resolve that conflict within myself was to say, you know, if I write a book about it, it will force me to actually do the homework and to think about this, go look to see what other people are doing and to organize all that, to collate it in a, hopefully in a compelling way, so that at the end of that process, I will have put together a workable roadmap that will leave me with the solutions I need to be able to lean across the table to say, I have more than just Kleenex to offer you. and. If that's true, then that book also becomes a roadmap for other people who share the same frustration that I shared. And so that was the real motivator for me to take the three years I took to put this book together. You know, I commandeered the dining room in our house. You know, we I organized the book into these chapters and I took all the research material that my wife and my niece Sarah put together and put it in meaningful stacks on the table. My wife said, we can't have company over dinner. I said, well, you know, that's true, but, you know, I'll be done with this in a while. And it took, yeah, I was, I mean, a couple of years I was done with it. 
And, you know, and so we could start having company again. But I think for me, the book really served the purpose of providing me with a framework for how to think about the problem in a way that led me to a solution. And then what was really terrific for me, and I didn't expect this, the level of empathy and support that I got from not just Rob, but Rob's whole team. Rob's got some great people on on the team there. But also the other thing I didn't expect was the pleasure of being plugged into the community of other people who were in the process themselves of writing their own book. You know, there's a camaraderie. Writing a book is a really scary process. This is one of the scariest things I ever did, I'll tell you. I mean, I, I had this anxiety that people would get the book, they would read some of it and fall out of the chair laughing and, you know, and I would look <laughs> ridiculous. And, and so, you know, writing legal briefs is one thing, you know, you're taking legal content and framing it for a client. That's one kind of writing. But whenever you write your book, these are your ideas. You have no excuses, right? These are your ideas and you're putting them out there. I mean, you're, you're getting totally naked in a sense, right? When you, when you're out there with these ideas. And so it's really scary. And so when you meet up with and hang out with people that are also in the process, there's a real sense of shared camaraderie, shared fear. You know, is this going to work? Will people like, will anybody read this? Will anybody care about this? Will they laugh about it? And so I've made some great friends in the process of that. And that was one of the byproducts I never, I never saw coming. So for me, the whole experience, while challenging, was really, really worth it. In the book, I want to quit talking about, this is not my interview, actually. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, and Rob, I think you were clear from the outset, you know, don't expect to write a book that's going to make you millions of dollars. In fact, don't expect to write a book that'll make you any money itself. I mean, I guess you could if you, I mean, I haven't made any money. I don't think I've made any money on it. But the book, the book becomes the, the seminal framework for all of your ideas moving forward. And it really is what credentializes all the other action steps that you take, all the other things that you do. And so part of the value, I think, in our relationship was was just getting my head around what I could and could not reasonably expect to come out of the process. So I, I just thought all, all in all, it was a it was a really interesting, worthwhile experience. And, and while it's been a really good experience for me, a lot of really good things have come from it. The reason we wanted to actually have this conversation with you, Rob, was to perhaps give you the opportunity to share some stories and examples of other people who've done things with with their book to build their business, build their professional practice in a compelling way. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, and I certainly tell you this and anybody that'll listen, the book is a bit of a dichotomy. On one hand, it is this thing that you pour your blood, sweat, and tears into, which besides the patience of your wife, it was a lot of hard work and and discipline and difficulty, and you're putting your best ideas, and it forces you to really think about what it is that you're saying. So you're putting your best work into the world so people can see. And so on one hand, you have your best work, and on the other hand, they can get it for 15 bucks. <laughs> so it's like, well, wait a minute here. So when I say it's not going to make money, it's that the entry into your world that $15 entry point isn't going to be the place that you're going to make the money. The money's going to be made on what else you build from it and what else you do from it. And as evidenced by people far more famous than us, uh, like a Dave Ramsey, who built his entire multi nine figure business on the back of a book that he was selling out of his trunk, right? Or a John Maxwell, who went from country preacher to foremost expert on leadership in the world because he writes a book a year 
basically the same book every year on leadership, right? It's his best ideas and thoughts and principles. And so these are nine figure examples. And there are even bigger examples like a Keller Williams, et cetera. So, you know, our clients are much the same. The book is that jumping off point, that foundational piece for lead generation for an existing or a new business. In your case, it's perhaps more a new business, a new a new direction of your expertise or speaking engagements to get higher speaking fees. You need a book to get on the best stages. You have to be a published author and even better if you're a bestseller in and on multiple lists. PR and media, obviously very big. I just had a pretty well-known individual reach out to me this morning about national media and looking for national media for his book. And Everybody knows that, even the most famous people, right? Michelle Obama, she writes a book, she gets a $50 million check. What's the first thing she does? She goes on every single talk show. And this is probably the most famous woman in the world, right? I mean, how much more so for us, right? We need to do the exact same and an even bigger fashion. You did mention one thing that I think was really, really cool because it's like the 1% of authors come into the book the way you came into it. Most people come into the book because they want to write their story, because they do want, they think about the speaking, they think about the lead generation, they think about the business. But a like incredible hidden feature that in most cases, in your case it didn't, but in most cases it exposes itself later, is it makes you crystallize your ideas. Like you, you said you came into the writing process to force yourself to put your ideas together and do the research. And most people, they're like unconsciously competent, right? Like they're great at what they do, but they don't even know what they do, right? Like they just do their thing and they're great at it and people love them. And the book forces them to think through, okay, how do I do the thing that I do that I'm really great at? So really cool that you actually came into it that way because most people don't. That's like a hidden feature that appears later to many people. Yeah, I think if you have your ideas all really worked out, it probably takes much less time than it took me. Yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, most to be fair, I can say with confidence that Stan definitely did his research. One of the first things I ever got when I started working with Stan was all of the research, all of the books and the notes and all of the things. Rob, he sent nine banker boxes worth of research that now live everywhere in my house. But what was incredible (laughs) about that was before I started with Stan, I read the book. That was what made me want to come and work for him. So that has been interesting use for the book as well. As we are meeting new people or bringing on new team members, it's a really easy way to say, hey, here's what we believe. Here is the vision. Here is the mission. This is a place where we're coming from. Now you can get on board with that and come and work with us or not, but this is where we are and this is what we're doing. And so to to some degree, we use the book in that sense as well. But it was incredible because we took those, Stan took those nine banker boxes worth of research and information. And I'm the lucky girl who got the Cliff Notes version done at the the end of the research. And so now this has sort of become a guidebook that I use with what I do with our Legacy Leaders Network and our law firm and all of the things we do. It's an outline. It's a guidebook because the time was taken to really go through and organize those ideas. And so It's not just a a book we hand out, although we do do that. It also has kind of become a well-thought-out guide for the direction that we're moving. And, And it's great. You know, you laugh that you don't make all your millions on 
the $15 book sale. And I said, yeah, no, we don't because we rarely sell these. We always give them out because the yeah. connections that we make through the book, that is where we've really seen the value from the book come from. It's the people yeah. that we meet, the clients that we bring in. And when they read the book and have those connections, then that's where the business comes from. They want Stan yeah. to come speak. They want to be a person at our law firm. They want to hire us, all of those good things. So that's what yeah. I've seen on the consumer side of how we've been utilizing the book. And it's been incredible. Yeah, love it. Let me pivot for a second, a different direction here, if I could. One of the things I know, I have a lot of people who said, I'd love to write a book, but I'm not a good writer. I don't know how to write. And a blank computer screen is one of the most terrifying things that you can stare down at, right? And so for me, I didn't, that was not my experience. I actually like to write and I've written a lot of stuff over the years and I've felt pretty good about it. I've never written a book, but I was not intimidated by the process of putting the paragraphs together. I know a lot of people who are. And one of the things that I know, Rob, that you do, you and your team do, is you have a different approach for people who have ideas they want to communicate, but who are really intimidated by the process of actually cranking out the paragraphs. Yeah. Yeah, very true. I mean, most people that are successful in business. And let's just think about, say, someone writing a book about their life or you know, a nonfiction book or a book about their business to further their business. I don't know near as much about fiction or children's books or that kind of thing. So I'll just speak on those two. For most of those people, they have a plethora of stories, right? Amazing stories, incredible ups and downs, both personally, and they've helped people within their business in incredible ways. So they have all these stories, they have this wealth of knowledge, and in many cases, they're unconsciously competent, right? Because they don't know how they do what they do. So the key is figuring out their competency and putting it into a framework and then placing the stories and the case studies in a dramatic fashion within each of those chapters to keep the reader engaged. And so we've ghostwritten over a thousand books at this point, again, all in really the business space or the nonfiction related space. And over time, we've just developed our own. In fact, we trademarked our own process. We call it enhanced ghostwriting. And the, the shortest version I can give you is that we want every chapter to look like a, a great TED Talk looks. And, you know, TED Talks are 17 minutes long. That's pretty good length of a, of a chapter, 17 minutes. And TED Talks, generally have a compelling story that the speaker is is sharing. There's usually dramatic points in the story, like there's a point of drama and intrigue and what we call open loop, where oftentimes they don't culminate the story until later. They, they leave it at its point of drama. There's teaching within it. So there's points of content. They're sharing their expertise. And then they kind of wrap it all up in a nice bow with a conclusion at the end. And so we kind of saw this and we thought, well, if, if we could help our clients to, in essence, create 10, 11, 12, 7, however many, mini TED Talks that you know are tied together, obviously, beautifully based on the framework of whatever it is they want to teach, then you know each chapter has all of the compelling items to keep the reader engaged and teach the reader at the same time. So that's a long-winded, perhaps, explanation of what we call enhanced ghostwriting. There's lots of other pieces to it, like editing, et cetera, but that's the general framework of creating content. So, you know, I really come around to that if you approach 
creating your book that way. That is legitimately your book. I mean, it, it's not, I mean, I know you have a ghostwriter that framed the sentences, but I've really come around to the view that that's just as much your book as if you plunked it out yourself on your laptop, you know? It is. It is. And just to further prove that point, I could show you a dozen different books all by the same writer that sound nothing like each other <laughs> because they're in the voice of the author. They're really in the voice of that author based on the story. They they sound, they don't sound anything like the writer. They That's the whole idea of enhanced ghostwriting is that you want to capture the voice of the author. And when you do, it is your content. Yeah. Yeah. The next book I write, that may be how I choose to do it. Well, it won't take three years. <laughs> and you could tell your wife the dining room is all hers. Is all, yeah, right. Yeah. Some big, I'm some out of bookshelf space, here. so I don't know what book we're going to write next. I have absolutely no more bookshelf space. So just keep that in mind. Well, Rob, this has been great. Cindy, do you have any other questions for Rob or anything you think our listeners might need to know about this process since you've been through it? You know, Rob, you may want to just speak, like, take a couple of minutes and talk about the process, you know, how it works, how long does it take? I mean, all the questions that normally come up, because I actually think, I think people listening to this podcast really need to at least consider the thought of putting your own book together. And so mm-hmm. what I love about the way you work is you do have a framework, a roadmap, and I think you do it really well. So just take a couple of minutes and just talk about, talk about the process. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, happy to. Let, without trying to be too long-winded, there are two big questions that have to be answered or resolved. The first is that 80% of Americans want to write a book based on an old New York Times survey, less than 1% actually complete it. So we have to have a simple way for a busy entrepreneur to have 45 minutes a week and complete their book in four or five or six months. So that's where enhanced ghostwriting comes in. All we need is 45 minutes a week. They show up and we handle the rest. And meaning that, sure, there might be some homework. They might need to take some time to think about the stories, that kind of thing. But we keep them on track as long as they can give us 45 minutes to an hour a week is all we need. But the other question that needs to be answered is the average book, nonfiction book, sells 250 copies in its lifetime. So imagine putting your blood, sweat, tears, three years and no dining room table and 250 people, and probably most of those people are family and friends, actually ever read the book and or even get the book to read it. That's like a horrible conclusion to this difficult matter of writing a book. So part of my desire in even creating a company called Bestseller Publishing, you know, that there was actually some thought that went into that name was we wanted our clients to like legitimately have a book that is a bestseller, is on a list, and people that they do not know, thousands of people that they do not know are getting their book and consuming it. So besides what I explained as the enhanced ghostwriting process, and once a week, we launch all of our clients' books. And we have a, a pretty simple, like, our, we don't care if our clients have an audience or not. We're going to do the same thing either way. We do paid advertising, social media, press releases. We have a whole process that you went through and are familiar with to put the book in front of an unknown audience with the idea that it's the right audience because we vetted it and people are going to like it because we've worked on the cover, we've worked on the title, we've worked on the audience, et cetera. And so that, I mean, I haven't gone into great detail on it, but 
those are like the two big questions that we tried to answer when I started this company 11 years ago is let's help people get their book written, but then let's make sure that people are actually consuming this and hopefully using it because there is a shelf life, no pun intended, to the launch, right? Everything that happens after the launch is in the author's hands. So we do coaching and teaching and weekly calls to help our authors to kind of pick up the baton, if you will. That's great. That All right. That, answer? that answers it. it. Yeah, I think yep. that's great. I think that's great. So for anyone listening who is interested in knowing more about Rob and what he does, feel free to visit bestsellerpublishing.org. And we will also link that in the show notes as well. Rob, as always, it has been such a pleasure speaking you, with Jeff. you. Thanks. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Thanks, guys, Dan. you've been listening to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more about Stan and Katie Beth, go to PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. You can also find links in the show notes.